you know, it feels like the whole last year and beginning this year is just, you know, pregnant with things to talk about. You know, how did, how did Christmas go? What did, what did you get for Christmas? Um, you know, how, how did, did you have some time off? Did anybody in your family get COVID? How much longer is it going to be before the vaccine, you know, actually makes a difference? And how long will it be before things get back to normal, whatever that is? We have a new president coming in. And, uh, you know, what, what does that mean for the direction of our country? And what direction will we be going in 2021 and the economy? You know, what's the economy going to do this year? When are we going to have to start actually paying for all the things that we've been doing, you know, to try to get us out of the mess that we're in? So many questions that, to me, as, as I was thinking about 2020, it feels like a new year like I've never felt. Like it feels like this is a different new year. I mean, it's the same in some ways, but it feels very, very different in other ways. So this morning, what I wanted to do is just ask you um, a lot of questions just to get you to think as we start our new series and the new year, um, just, to, just to get you to start this new year, not just reloading last year, but asking the question, is there any way in which this season can be a new time of engagement for you with God. Is there any way in which... So let me ask you some questions that aren't going to be on the news and probably don't make your news feed on social media. Um, at this point, I think we're all a little less naive about the dangers in the world. The question is, are we any closer to God because of it? In 2021, are you going to spend more effort trying to get your life back the way it was, or are you going to spend more effort becoming the people of God to offer hope to a world who desperately needs it? In 2021, are you going to spend more time catching up on all the things you missed because of COVID, or are you going to spend more time getting to know God in a deeper way? In, in 2021, are you going to be able to lay down some of the strongly held opinions, fears, politics, political agendas, and be open to the fact that one of the real problems that we're facing in the world is the darkness inside us, the darkness that's lurking around inside each one of us. What's wrong with the world is the unsurrendered parts of our heart. That's what's wrong with the world. Is this going to be the year that you and I are going to stop looking around and say, I'm glad somebody's saying this because I know 10 people this applies to. Is this going to be the year that we say, search me, God. Find inside of me if there's any wicked way in me and fix me. Like, let's get something done in me. Like, I bet the world would be better if I was better. I bet the world would be closer to God. I bet something, God would be able to do something incredible if he could do something in me. Can we, just, can we just start there in 2021? How much disruption will it take for us to turn fully to God? How much must we endure before we're shaken from a place of convenience and comfort and a real hunger for God begins to rise up inside of us? Because what it feels like is, is that we're all kind of, shook and, and off balance and panicked and all that, but we sort of adapted and found new ways to live, and then, and then that displacement 
that kind of caused a spiritual opening, it felt like it kind of closed. And so this year, the question is, are you going to be open to something that God wants to do in this time? How much do we have to endure before a real hunger for God generates inside of our heart? Will you and I miss the invitation of God to bring our whole broken self to God and to know him deeply? See, here's the questions that you don't see on the news. They're not, they're not making it on social media. Will we miss the invitation of God to know him deeply? So as we normally do, if you're new to Kingwood, um, we, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. So that's going to start one week from tomorrow. So uh, we want to ask you to join us in this time because it is, a, it is a rich and beautiful time, and I think it comes at just the right time this year. We've written a devotional, and we're going to make it available to everybody. It's going to be a touch, a touchless devotional, okay? A touch-free experience uh, because of all the stuff. So we're going to email it to you this week if we have your email address. We're going to post it on social media if you follow our page or in Kingwood Community in our group. You can get it there. We're also going to put it on our app. So you can download it. You can print it at home if you want to. You can access it online. Here's what it is. It'll talk to you about how to fast, what fasting is. It'll talk to you about prayer. It'll talk to you about how to interact with the Scripture. And we'll give you a Scripture a day for 21 days. And we we can take the journey together and meet and talk and walk with God and see what God wants to do inside of us in this new season. So January is going to be about this for us. It's going to be about prayer and fasting And then we're going to be talking about Psalm 23 the whole month. So, man, I I would encourage you to read Psalm 23 as many times as you can throughout the month of January because uh, it's rich and simple and deep. But here's the question. Will you minimize as much as you can? We all have responsibilities. Will you minimize as much as you can your responsibilities for January And will you simplify your life? Here's what it comes down to. And will you set aside time? If you don't set aside time, nothing different's going to happen. Will you set aside time to pray, to read the Bible, to fast? And there's a bunch of different ways you and I can engage in that. So Psalm 23, let's look at it this morning. Probably we could spend a whole year talking about nothing but Psalm 23 because it's rich and simple and deep. It's a, it's a well deep enough that you and I can draw from it all of our life. It's a, it's a really beautiful part of Scripture. So the best way to approach Psalm 23 is like a humble student that has a lot to learn. Every time I come to Psalm 23, there's this sense of awe about it to me that I'm like, I read it, it's poetic, it's simple, I get it, but I never feel like I get all of it. And I don't think we're going to get all of it this year, but let's get more of it. It's the most quoted and memorized stretch of Scripture probably in the whole Bible. It's a poem. It's actually not a prayer, but it does teach us a lot about prayer because it teaches us about the God who we pray to. Amen. Yes. Amen. Psalm 23. So Psalm 23 is written... Watch this, by a shepherd, about a shepherd. 
Who better to teach us about the shepherding ways of God than a person who was actually a real shepherd? Uh, David spent the younger years of his life tending the sheep in, in the desert. And here's why I think that's really applicable to us. Because we're kind of living in a desert now. We're off balance. We don't have things. Everything's not where we put it a year ago. Things have been shifted around. And we're kind of in this no man's land. And here's the cool thing about a desert. In a desert, you learn a lot. And you learn a lot about the value and the meaning of things, not just the use of things. And so we're in a desert, and I think it makes us more aware. So let's look at Psalm 23.1 this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Would you repeat that with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Did you get what you wanted for Christmas? No? Yes? Some? Maybe? You know, we, that's the kind of questions we ask. When you see a child, you say, oh, did, you know, did Santa Claus bring you everything you wanted for Christmas? And then we ask questions like this. It's 2021. What do you want to happen this year? And in a few minutes, a question we're going to be asking ourselves is, what do you want for lunch? And we live in a culture that is so focused on marketing to our wants, we rarely ever ask the question, are our wants good? Are our wants even good? We never ask that. Is it good to want? And we spend so much time meeting our wants and meeting other people's wants, we never ask, why do we want? Why do we desire the things we desire? Is there something wrong with our desires? And there's this fundamental belief in our culture that says, I will be happy when I get everything I want. And if you're not careful, careful, you find yourself living just one elusive step away from believing that when I retire or when I marry or when I meet the right person or when I get a job or when I graduate college or when I graduate high school or when this one thing changes, then I'll be happy. Want. And it's a bottomless pit that's never filled. Psalm 23 says... I shall not want. What does that mean? There's two ways to satisfy wants. One is you feed it exactly what it asks for. How many of you know that rarely ever works? <laughs> because you get it and you go, oh, it looked better on TV. You know what I mean? I thought, I thought this would be better. If you've ever gone to some big you know, attraction and you get there, you go, eh, you know, it's okay. I wanted it so bad. It just, you ever have somebody build up a movie so high, there's no way it's ever going to be that good? I mean, they just kill. It's the best movie I've ever seen. And you go there and you go, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. But you wanted it, you know. The other way to satisfy a want is to feed it something different than it desires, but what it really needs. And so what does this psalm mean, Psalm 23, 1, that says, I shall not want. It means God will not give me everything I want. Because I don't always want the right things. Do you? Sometimes I want cake, you know. And I need like fruit or salad. Sometimes I want pizza. And I need water. You know, something that will be life-giving. So what it means is God will not give us everything we want, but he will give us everything we need. It also means this. God will give me what I desire the most. And watch this. What you actually desire the most, Ecclesiastes says this, that God has put eternity in the heart of every person. 
And what we desire most on the deepest level, whether we're aware of it or not, is what we deeply desire is God because God created us and designed us with a deep desire for Him. And until we have Him, we'll never be satisfied. But it doesn't stop us from trying, does it? I mean, we chase it. We go after it. We, we, we look for it. But it just never seems to satisfy even though we search everywhere else. So I've got a question for you this morning. More questions. This is the day of questions. Are you truly content? Like, are you really, in the depth of your soul, satisfied? Are you content? I mean, are all the things that you want somehow brought to a place of contentment and satisfaction inside God? Do you still believe that whenever that next step comes for you, that next thing happens for you, then everything's going to be, you know, like you wanted it and everything's going to be good? Do you, still, do you still believe that? Or has that belief been shaken? Are you truly fulfilled? The words of Psalm 23 are set on a head-on collision with the, with the desires and the wants of our culture. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There was a little girl in um, a Sunday school class, and the teacher asked, can anybody quote Psalm 23? And she popped her hand in the air and started talking at the same time. And she said, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. Now she got the words wrong but she got the message right. So let me give you a thought today from Psalm 23 that you can take with you that I think really captures the truth of what Psalm 23 says to us. And it's this. What I have in God is greater than what I want in life. What I have in God is greater than what I want in life. So I just want to wrestle with this question for a minute. What do do we have in God... And why shall we not want? Let me give you four quick reasons this morning. Number one, we shall not want because the Lord is my shepherd. Now here's what's very interesting about this verse. In Jewish writings, Jewish writings were almost always communal or plural. So you would have expected David to write here, the Lord is our shepherd. The Jewish faith is a communal faith. The Christian faith is a communal faith. And so rarely ever do you see individualism inside it anywhere. So you've expected this to say, the Lord is our shepherd. But instead he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. Now here's the question I have for you. When did Jesus become your shepherd? I'm not asking you, when did you become a Christian? Because you can become a Christian and God still not be, Jesus still not be your shepherd. He can be your grandmother's shepherd. He can be your pastor's shepherd. He can be your youth pastor's shepherd. He can be, maybe you went to a Christian school. Maybe you grew up in a Christian family. Maybe you grew up in a Christian culture. I don't know. Maybe you came from a total non-Christian background. But, but you're still at that line where you go, I know I'm a Christian, but I'm still drawing from somebody or someone else rather than drawing directly from the shepherd himself. When did you cross that line and Jesus became your shepherd? I remember when I was a teenager, I'd been saved about, 
a year or a year and a half, and I have no idea other than the grace of God why this event happened in my life, but I can tell you confidently after all these decades, I will absolutely never forget it. It was the most uneventful, incredible event of my life. I was uh, working at my local school in the summer. I was carrying trash across the parking lot, two trash bags. And I was walking toward the dumpster as I had, I don't know how many times. And somehow this thought hit me. That's it. Like, like I'm, I'm growing in my faith. I kind of came into this God thing. I came from a, a pro- predominantly non-Christian home. And some friends had reached out to me, and I started to come to the youth group, and I started going to church, and I didn't, wasn't real sure about all this stuff. And somehow, about a year and a half in, carrying those trash bags across that, I went, that's it. I'm never going back. I'll never go back. I'll never go back to my old life. I'll never go back to the way it was. I'll never go back to following my own way. I'll never, I'll never, go, I'll never go back. Now, I'm not stating some incredible amount of determination. I'm just saying to you, that was my intention. And here I am, all these years later, because I believe in that moment somehow in ways I didn't even understand. Jesus became my shepherd. He wasn't my mom's who had prayed for me. He wasn't my grandmother who had prayed for me. He wasn't my great-grandfather who had pastored 67 and a half years. He had already went to heaven. Somehow in that moment, he became my God. Now here's the question I have for you. Have you come to the place in your faith, in your relationship with God, that it doesn't matter who serves him or who doesn't serve him? Your kids cannot serve him. Your spouse cannot serve him. Your parents cannot serve him. Your friends cannot serve him. I can turn my back on him. So other people that you look to and respect can turn their back. But you've said in your heart, no matter what happens, I'm never going back. He is... I don't know who else's shepherd he is, but I know he's mine. Have you come to that place? When you come to that place, let me tell you what happens. You shall not want. You know why? That amount of surrender brings a contentment and a satisfaction to your soul and a freedom that nothing else will bring because he's your God. You know him. You know him personally. So why shall we not want, number two, because the Lord is my provider. If you look at Psalm 23, the next verse, verse 2, the beginning of it, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now this is a picture of shepherd leading sheep um, to eat. Uh, By the way, if Jesus is the shepherd, you know what that makes us, right? This isn't a trick question. We're the sheep. And by the way, you know that's not an extraordinary compliment right? Sheep aren't really known for a lot. I don't really like being identified with a sheep. I'd rather be identified with like a lion or a bear or a shark or at least a bobcat. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Something. Give me something with some kind of, you know, prowess to it or something. Sheep can't care for themselves very well. They're not very sharp. You ever seen a sheep do tricks? No. You're never going to. Uh, you go to Disney World, you see the bird show. You see the big cat show. You ever see the sheep show? No. You know why? They're untrainable. <laughs> you can't really train them to do anything. You ever gone to a, a, a football game? You know, you have the tigers and the eagles and, and then the sheep. You ever seen that? 
Well, nobody has a sheep for a mascot. Nobody wants to be a sheep. Sheep are defenseless. They have no fangs. They have no claws. They can't run very fast. They're scared of everything. Last week when we were out of town, we were up in West Virginia and we were passing all these small farms and, and here we are just whistling down the road. Everybody in the car is asleep but me. I'm just driving in this massive thunderstorm and I look out over the pasture land and there's this whole herd or whatever they're called, a whole bunch of sheep. And there they are just standing there in the rain. And I looked over there and I thought, there we are. I mean, that's us. It's pretty much... You know what I mean? And we were just staring at each other, going on the road. Yep, man, there we are. Sheep. We're the sheep. Sheep will eat anything. That's why they have to be led to good food. But here's what's interesting. Sheep eat standing up. But these sheep are lying down in green pastures. Why is that? Watch. Because they've become satisfied. They have eaten until they're full They've been led to a good food source, and now they're satisfied. Why shall you and I not want? Because the Lord is our provider, and he'll provide the spiritual food and the physical food that you and I need to be the people he wants us to be. Number three, why shall we not want? Because the Lord is my refresher. In verse 2, the second half of verse 2 the, the, Psalm 23 says this, He leads me beside quiet waters. You ever been dehydrated? I got dehydrated bad one time in my life. I had never been dehydrated until a few years ago. I was just outside a lot in August. It was the summer. It was you know nearly 100 most days. And I just didn't realize I wasn't taking enough water. You get a headache. You get dizzy. You feel weak. You feel like you're going to pass out. You get nauseated. I mean, <laughs> I learned in that moment... How um, necessary it is for you and I to hydrate. And sheep are no different. Sheep are no different. We need to take in regular amounts of water, and your spirit needs to take in regular amounts of relationship and encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because that's how you are refreshed. And Psalm 23, the Lord is my, he leads me beside quiet waters. The quiet waters are the good waters, not the bad waters. He told the, Jesus told the woman at the well, you drink from these waters, you'll never thirst again. Like these are, these are refreshing, replenishing life and circumstances and sadness and sickness and, and work and pressure and conflict and all of those things and sickness dry our spirit out. If you don't hydrate, you're going to dehydrate. Your spirit's going to dry up. Your spirit's going to dry up and wither. I, I, you know, I was praying this morning, God, send a season of refreshing to the church. God, send a season of refreshing. Pour your spirit out. Man, let's, let's take this opportunity and let it be a different time, a different year. I can't, we can't control COVID. We can't control all of that stuff. But you know what? We can meet God. And we can let God, we can let the waters of the Holy Spirit fill our life and flow through us. Man, it could be, this can be a beautiful year. It can be a powerful year. The book of Acts says times of refreshing come from the Holy Spirit. But you know when they always come, if you read the whole context? After repentance. So when you come and say, 
God, it's me. Search the darkness in me. God, I don't want to be the person I was. I don't want to be who I was last year. I don't want to be, I don't want to be broken. I don't want to be part of the problem. Search me, God, and know me. I repent. I turn away from all of the stuff, and I turn to you. God, wash me again. And man, Acts says, there comes times of, I think we need refreshing. I think we need God's spirit to just move and just refresh us. But it won't happen unless we come to grips with what's going on inside. That's when it happens. So why shall we not want, last one, the Lord is my restorer. Verse 23, chapter 23, verse 3 says, he restores my soul. Many years ago, I and my family were on a little hike in Cades Cove. Probably, man, it must have been 20 20 something years ago, maybe 25 years ago, we're in Cades Cove. I love Cades Cove. I love those mountains and those beautiful valleys. And we were out walking about two miles in. We'd jumped the fence and, you know, we're probably somewhere we shouldn't be. But it was where the pretty stuff was. I wanted to see the pretty stuff. So we were down there in a valley. And um, I remember walking my family. They're all laughing and, you know, doing stuff. And I don't know why. It was just like a God encounter. It's one of those moments. I'm, I, I, I find God in nature. When I see something beautiful in nature, man, to me, I'm not far from God. That's just how I'm. Everybody's not wired that way, but I am. And I was walking through that little prairie. It's in the winter. And I came, came up over a little hill, and there was a, um, there was a little creek with snow-capped rocks. The water was just wishing through the creek. And I don't know why, but in that moment, it's like the curtain opened and I could, I could understand. And I said, oh, that's what you meant when you said, he leads me beside quiet waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And it's that water, I could hear the water just gurgling through that little stream. He restores my soul. Man, I, I met God in that moment. It just shakes me to this day. And, and I, I'm sitting back there crying, you know, wiping my eyes. And God, will you make this? Everybody's like, what's wrong with you? You know, we're out for a hike. I said, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I feel like I knew in that moment a little bit better what God meant when he said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And he restores my soul. I met the shepherd. When you have an encounter with the shepherd, you're just not the same. You're not the same. Something happens inside you that enlarges your spirit <laughs> that lets a, a freshness flow in an, an a, a aliveness, life that changes you the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want in that moment in the valley of Cades Cove I couldn't think of one thing I wanted I was content 
was happy. I was satisfied. And that's what I think that verse means. Would you, would you say it with me one more time? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Shall not want. As long as God will allow me, I will encourage you and I will challenge you to meet God. To take time to give to Him and receive from Him to talk to Him, to walk with Him, to worship Him, to pray, and to meet with Him. As long as I'm able, I will challenge you with that the rest of my life. Because I believe there is no greater pursuit in your life. There's no greater priority in your life than meeting Him. And it feels like we're in a time of so much clutter. Can you hear the Holy Spirit calling you to simplify your life for a season and just come in contact with Him. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to make anything up. You don't have to make anything happen. You just have to show up. Jordan said it a few minutes ago. If we give God space, you know, you just have to give Him room. He just, he just, we've just shrunk the room on Him. He doesn't have much room in our life. So I want to encourage you. Would you take the journey with us? we got a lot planned, and we'll be talking to you about that in the next week or so. A week from tomorrow, you know, you don't have to do it perfect. You don't have to do the best one. You don't have to starve yourself to death. You don't have to pray 17 hours a day. You'd be surprised. You give God some space, and He'll just fill it with His presence. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're online, maybe you want to stand wherever you are. Maybe you're driving a car. <laughs> you can't stand. Maybe yours is on replay. Would you just close your eyes and open your heart for a minute? You know, I wonder how many of you here would just say, you know what? I, I'm unsettled in my heart. And if I'm just honest, I do. I feel God calling me. I sense the Holy Spirit calling me, I can, I can hear God inviting me to come closer to Him right now, to get to know Him better, to pursue Him, to, to put some other things aside and just to pursue Him. If you're online, would you just, would you just drop in the comment section, I hear God calling me. And our prayer team's just going to step in and start to pray with you and start to affirm what God's doing in your life. If you're in the room with your eyes closed and you, you sense that call, would you, just, would you just lift your hand and say, I sense, I sense that call somehow. This is a special season for me. And God's calling me near right now. I can sense it. Would you just lift it up? Just lift it up and put it back down. Yeah, I just want to pray for you. That's all. I'm just going to pray for you. We're just going to kind of covenant together this morning and pray. Would you just lift your hand and say, I, I hear God calling me. I sense God calling me. This is a, a unique season for me. and I know God wants to do something in my life. And maybe even through me. Yeah, just all over the room. I also want to pray for those of you online and in the room. I want to pray for you today. 
If you say, I'm glad you talked about God being a provider because, man, there's some provision that I need. Or I'm glad God's a refresher. Man, I came out of the holidays just beat down and dried out. And I'm asking God to refresh this morning. Or maybe I'm, I need restoration in some part of my life in a relationship, in a, in a, in a job or in, a, um, in my own emotions. I need, I need restoration to be done. Maybe the circumstances of your life, I need restoration to be done. Well, if that's you and you're online, just say, I need prayer in the comment section and we'll pray. If you're in the room, if you need provision, refreshment, or restoration, would you just lift your hand? And you know what? It's going to be an act of faith for you to lift it and say, God, I need you. That's what you're saying when you lift your hand. God, I need you right now. I need you right now. Yeah, I need you right now. I need you right now. Come on, let's pray together this morning. If you're online, our prayer team's praying with you. And in the room, our prayer team will be here and be available in a minute. Holy Spirit, I ask you today, for those who say, God, I hear you calling me. God, I pray this morning that you would meet them in a powerful way of affirmation to draw them now. Increase what they're feeling. Strengthen what they're feeling. Let them, let them sense it on a deeper level, Lord, that what you're bringing to them is strength and spiritual life and grace and intimacy with you. Lord, for those who need provision, I thank you today that you are Jehovah Jireh. You're God, our provider. And we pray today that you would open jobs and we pray that you would open paths that have been closed. We pray today that you would make the impossible possible because you are the provider. Lord, we pray that you would release resource. Lord, we pray for those who need to be refreshed. Come on and just pray with me and say, God, pour out your spirit today and refresh. God, let this be a time of refreshing. And I pray you would just pour the water of the Holy Spirit over us today. And we would, we would encounter you fresh today, Lord. And Lord, that you would restore. That you would restore and rebuild and renew. God, only you can rebuild a spirit. Only you can rebuild a soul. God, restore today. Restore fresh emotion and fresh thinking and fresh heart. God, in a newness. Restore today in this season. God, we thank you for it this morning. We thank you for it. God, you take the lead now. You take the lead. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Satisfy today all of our longings and desires. Bring us to a place of contentment in you. Our worship team is going to begin to sing this song. And as they do, man, I want you just to cry out to God and just express your own longing and hunger for him. And then our prayer team's going to come, and we want to pray for you before you leave today. Hey, come on, let's all worship.